listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16. The official beer of the Swift Current Broncos is Ryan Schweitzer and Craig Boschman. Broncos This Week podcast. Ryan Schweitzer here in the safe, comfy confines of the Innovation Credit Union IPlex after a uh, full night of enjoying rodeo action. And Craig Boschman joining us on location on the road this morning. Uh, Bosch, what's your 20 right now? Uh, just hanging out outside the hotel in Kelowna. We're uh, going to have some breakfast, head to the rink to grab all the gear, and then hit the highway down to Vancouver to catch a ferry over to Victoria. All right on. So so last night's game, uh, I want to talk about that. You know, the, the Memorial Cup hosts, the Kelowna Rockets, and uh, our boys taking them a full 16 into overtime. You know, if you, g- give us the Craig Boschman breakdown on that one. Yeah, it was entertaining, uh, no question. Um, getting that opening goal was huge. And, um, I mentioned at one point, I think it was shortly before Kelowna had tied the game, so I certainly jinxed it. But uh, I was saying how it would have been you know huge for the team if they could have taken that 2 nothing lead and Maybe put Cole on their heels a little bit. Um, just couldn't seem to get that next one past uh, the goaltender Schwabius. And, uh, you know, Cole has got a lot of offensive firepower and kind of flex their muscle a little bit there in the second period with, with Nolan Foot and, and Pavel Novak getting some goals. But, um, you know, hey, full credit to, to the Broncos. They fought back and got one early there in the third and, you know, kind of had to hold on a bit as Kelowna was pressing hard to try and get that, you know, the, the winner before regulation was up. But, uh, Isaac Poulter was outstanding in that. Uh, he certainly deserves full marks for his performance, 33 saves in the, in the overtime loss. But, uh, you know, in overtime, it's, it's a guy like Nolan Foote. He's a game-breaker, and you give him, give him an inch, he'll take him a while. And then he certainly showed off why he was the first starter in NHL draft pick with, uh, with his performance yesterday. Yeah, I want to ask you also about uh, the opening game, the, the Swift Current Bronco debut of Hayden Oster. Uh, what did you see in his game last night? Yeah, he was playing with Tim and Andy and Renya, and I think it was, you know, kind of thought it was, uh, you know, not quite in full game shape just yet, but obviously he'll get there pretty quickly and he'll, he'll work his way through the, uh, through the paces there with practices. But, uh, you know, a guy who's obviously been around the league for a long time, he's been in the league now for, for five seasons with this one here. So, former second round pick and a guy who's, who's put up some points in the past and, and, uh, and speaking to Dean Brockman before the game yesterday, um, you know, the coaching staff just kind of hoping he can be a bit of a leader and, and provide some, some offense and some veteran presence in the room there to try and help the guys out. So, um, you know, he, uh, he had a good chance in tight. I think he tried to drop down to one knee for a puck that came right out in front and just kind of missed it by, by an inch or two and went through his legs. So, uh, I'm sure he'll get there. He'll get up to speed pretty quickly here and, uh, won't be too long before we see him on the score sheet, I don't think. Right on. This is the Broncos This Week podcast brought to you by Original 16. We got uh, a big show today. Uh, you're going to be tracking down one of the coaches to, to break down what's been happening on the BC road swing thus far, eh? Yeah, I'm going to chase down Scott Dutra and get his uh, thoughts before we jump on a bus uh, to head here to Victoria. So uh, just quickly get some thoughts on the Kamloops game, the Kelowna game, uh, the debut of uh, Matthew Ward in Kamloops, and also Josh Davies is going to make his Western League debut tomorrow in Victoria, so kind of just touched on that and then the impact that he can bring. So just kind of covered a lot of, a lot of subjects uh, pretty quickly. Uh, teams obviously got a busy schedule here, so didn't have as much time as we might normally would um, for our coaches' segment, but uh, nice to still able to get one of these guys on and, and get their thoughts on the game so far. Yeah, right on. And then also on the Broncos This Week podcast, our feature guest, uh, I'm, I was pumped when I heard that you booked this guy to be our, our guest, Dean McCammond. He only played a half season in Swift Current, but it was a memorable one. He led the Broncos in scoring on that 1993 championship run and uh, now making his home in the in the BC area. But, uh, but Dean McCammond, our guest this week on Broncos This Week, our feature guest. Yeah, a guy who's got a ton of stories. I mean, 996 NHL games. 
you know, it's kind of funny. We, we were asking him about whether he thought about coming back to try and hit that thousand mark to get that silver stick. And, and uh, also the famous Steve Sullivan fan incident where the puck hit Steve Sullivan in the face and the, the same fan that was ribbing him got hit in the face later. And he happened to be on the ice because he was lying with Steve Sullivan when that happened. So it's kind of nice to get his perspective on that incident. But, uh, you know, really great of Dean to give us some time. He's a head coach in a junior B league out here, not too far from Kelowna, actually. So, uh, great to get a chance to catch up with him and a uh, really good interview that I'm, I'm looking forward to sharing with everyone. And, and Dean McCammon, years ago when he was acquired by the Swift Current Broncos, it was such a fascinating story, and longtime Bronco fans will remember this. The 1993 trade deadline, and this is a time before social media and news spreading like wildfire. It, it was one of those things, and, and when we were talking about it, you likened it almost to like a WWE-type scenario where just all of a sudden, in the middle of a game, Dean McCammon comes out of the dressing room and is on your team. So really looking forward to talking with him about that. We'll also have a chat with uh, Scott Dutart and maybe get a little bit more info on what's going on. How, how's the road life for you so far, Bosch? Yeah, I'm just kind of adjusting here. Obviously, it's been quite a long time since we've had to, to stay in some hotels for, for long stretches of time. But it is nice to be back here in B.C. Obviously, it's been you know, the last three three hockey seasons here in B.C., so nice to come back here again, uh, see some people that uh, you know you met in previous years, get a chance to catch up with them again. So uh, the days kind of blend together. You know, and it, you know, sometimes it feels like it's a Friday when it's actually Tuesday kind of thing. So uh, I'm trying to figure out today's Thursday. i got to remember that and get ready for the game on Friday tomorrow. But, uh, you know, two nights in Victoria is going to be nice, and then a night in Vancouver, a couple in PG before we make that long trip home. So... It's been fun so far, and just um, you know, hoping the guys can can grab a win or two to finish off this trip, and then have everyone feeling good on the way home. Yeah, you go ahead and you have your beautiful Victoria. I'm going to stick around here and enjoy some rodeo. I'm jealous, really jealous. You know what? You you should be. It was fun. It was a good night last night, and I I may be so bold as to say that a lot of people involved in the rodeo circuit and the the rodeo culture, that there's some some very attractive people, and I'll just leave it at that. But <laughs> it's, it's, did I leave my car? Did, did I leave my car in the wrong spot? You sent me a text of the what the parking lot was looking like, and I, I feel like they just built the the stables around my car when I parked it there. Yeah, you're parked uh, right next to the horses there. There's some cattle going through there. You're right next to the corrals. It's funny because when you get back, they'll be gone. But that's how it yeah. is right now. The Innovation Credit Union Iplex parking lot looks a little different than when you left. But uh, anyway, you do Victoria, I'll do rodeo, and we'll keep on rocking with the Broncos this week podcast. Coach's show coming up, and before too long, Dean McCammond, our feature guest on Broncos This Week. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Broncos This Week podcast presented by Original 16, our coaches segment here. We've got Broncos assistant coach Scott Dutart joining us now. Scott, we are day five of day 10 on this BC Division road swing. Have you adjusted to life on the road just yet? Yeah, it's one of those things you, it's just like riding the horse. You, <laughs> you, you have, uh, you get into travel mode and, and then you start to remember what day it is and 
it just kind of blurs together, but uh, so far, so good. Team is two games into this road trip now. You lost 4 nothing in Kamloops uh, two days ago, an overtime loss in Kelowna yesterday. So the game in Kamloops, thought your team had a ton of chances, just seemed they couldn't get one there in the first period before Kamloops got a late one and kind of took over from there. Yeah, the, uh, when we played the Blazers the other night, they, they managed to funnel pucks in that and create a lot of good opportunities. I thought as the game progressed, we started we started getting more pucks than that. And, and Ramsey did a good job for them. The, the times that we did have good opportunities, he did close the door. When we played last night against Kelowna, we we started playing a little a little grittier. I thought we had a little more sandpaper last night. We got pucks than that, and and we created some good opportunities for ourselves. And and as a unit, I th- thought we had a little bit more of a pack mentality. There was some some adversity there, and a couple different hits and stuff where guys went in and took care of things and stood up for each other and stuff. And I think those are things that we build on for, for Victoria. A big part of your team's future, Matthew Ward made his debut in Kamloops, a guy who will be a Bronco full-time in the future. It was his first game. You could understand there'd be some tentativeness on his part, but I didn't think he looked out of place at all. No, definitely. He, uh, I think Wardo's going to fit in well. He, uh, he, the one thing that he, he mentioned, too, is the adjustment to... Uh, to this, this is a regular lineup as opposed to some of the younger guys that he played in preseason. But yeah, once he got those those jitters out in those first couple shifts, he settled right in. Played the Kelowna Rockets uh, yesterday, that overtime loss, as you mentioned, but uh, that's a very tough team, obviously, hosting the Memorial Cup. Everyone expects them to be good, and you guys are right there with them throughout the whole time. Uh, maybe feel like you deserve a bit of a better fate in that one, do you think? I, I think so. We we did uh, we did a lot of really good things there. Uh, I thought again, like I was saying before, we got a lot of pucks on that and created a lot of a lot of opportunities there. And, and if we can keep building on that and we we play with that that level of intensity and 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 that level of I guess togetherness as a group, we'll we'll be into hockey games and we'll have some good some good uh, results. You've got good performances from both your goaltenders. Reese Clausen was pretty good in Kamloops. Uh, Isaac Holder was outstanding in Kelowna yesterday. I guess it gives the team confidence knowing that I guess no matter who you throw out there, you're going to get a good game. Yeah, Reese, Reese had a fantastic game for us the other night. And, and again, Poults closed the door. They have a couple couple guys there that, uh, and they did manage to, to score in, in foot in Novak, but those are some those are some professional shooters. And, and uh, for the most part, Poults did a really good job of closing the door on them. Game three of this road trip goes uh, tomorrow in Victoria. Uh, there's no question they've been struggling so far this year. Uh, a chance to sort of get back in the win column despite the fact that they are struggling. You know, it's going to be a tough test. I, I think for us, yeah, they, they're going to have a little bit more of a, a nothing-to-lose mentality. And, and again, they, they, they find a way to win there. And for, for us, I, I just think for us, we need to keep building on what we did last night. We did a lot of really good things. And I think as a group, we, we really played hard and backed each other up and if we can keep building on that and try and get more consistent from our end uh, as opposed to to worrying about the other team if we can be proactive as opposed to reactive I think we'll be we'd be doing okay you had Ward make his debut in Kamloops you're gonna have Josh Davies make his debut here in Victoria he burst onto the scene in every sense of the word in the preseason I would imagine you guys are pretty excited to watch him play here yeah he's a lively personality <laughs> for us he he fits right in with our group and and he's a really good kid I'm looking forward to seeing him tomorrow night a guy who you think can make an impact, even as a 15 or 16 year old next season. A guy who seems like he's physically ready already in this league. Absolutely, he he plays a grittier style of game, and and I think for coming into our league, I think he makes a makes a good adjustment, and and I think he's going to be fine. Scotty, thanks for this. Thanks, Greg. Broncos this week podcast presented by Original 16. Our coaches segment with Scott Dutart. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. 
Joining us on the Broncos This Week podcast, brought to you by Original 16, we have Bronco alum Dean McCammond on the phone. Uh, Dean, how's things going today? They're going great. We got a little bit of frost in the morning in, uh, in the Okanagan, so winter's coming, hockey season's upon us, so yeah, everything's happening. I didn't realize. Happening quick. I didn't realize frost in the Okanagan was a thing. I thought it was just sunny and beautiful out there year-round. Uh, Dean, well, it really caught me off guard this morning because, <laughs> yeah, it's usually not a thing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Dean, uh, you're someone. You're you're a Swift Current Bronco alum, and you're also a Prince Albert Raider alum. Uh, has following the WHL for the past two years been fun for you? Seeing uh, your two former teams raising cups. Uh, you know what? I get so busy up here. I don't. I I, I once in a while keep tabs on it i mean the raiders had a big push last year so i was i was a little disappointed you know i thought maybe they would do better in the in the memorial cup but i mean they had a great season so uh, good for them for that um and then actually one uh young guy who's with the broncos right now ben king uh i coached him here in vernon he's a, a great player smart player um so i know him pretty pretty good so i talk to his dad every once in a while ask how he's doing and and so that that's kind of exciting for me. Some of the kids that I've coached here are starting to starting to make their way into the WHL. It's, it's pretty cool. Yeah, well, we'll ask you a few questions about Kinger later on too. But uh, I, I guess uh, we want to lead in here with going back to your your first day as a Swift Current Bronco. If if memory serves me correctly, you were a deadline deal, and from a Swift Current perspective, you just suddenly arrived in in Swift. It was a time before social media. Not a lot of people knew about the trade at the time and and you were just suddenly a swift current bronco like what 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 do you remember about that day well i remember leading up to it all of a sudden uh you know because prince albert was in the last place we had a we had a well not a banner year but we had a team the year prior that had you know six of us were on the all-star team and we were very very strong group so we kind of bled out the following year and uh, i was one of the only guys left that was on a rebuilding team. So I eventually knew that I was going to get traded somewhere. And uh, I just didn't think it would have been to the Broncos because the Broncos were in first place at the time. But it was a big enough deal that uh, it was going to maybe topple one of the teams. I mean, Brandon was interested just because they had a strong team. I think Madison Hat was interested because they had a strong team as well. Portland as well. So, um, yeah, it was a quite a big, large deal with five of us uh, changing places. Myself and Darren Perkins, and um, I can't even remember all the players that went from uh, Swift Current to Prince Albert, but it was, yeah, I remember it uh, being kind of caught me off guard as far as the numbers of players went and where I was heading to. So I was pretty happy about arriving in Swift Current and uh, also knowing Tyler Wright at that time because I was a, you know, he was, he and I played on the World Junior team and, and whatnot. So we had, I had some friends there already. Yeah, and that that day itself, I mean, it, it must have been a whirlwind day for you because the deal, I imagine, you you probably would have been told about it early in the day, and and I remember you arriving in Swift Currents and actually gearing up and and showing up on the bench midway through the first period. <laughs> yeah, yeah, actually, I, it was a bit of a blur. I remember, I remember, I was uh, driving to Swift in my truck, and there was a little car behind me, and we were both speeding. And I was like, I got to make it to this game because, you know, I just got to get in the lineup. And we're both speeding, and we pass a we, – we meet a police car. And I see the lights go on, and that guy slowed down. 
and I didn't. And <laughs> the policeman didn't pull me. He just stopped the first guy he could get to. So I was like, perfect. And then that day, and then I, uh, and then I sprained my knee in that very first game. And I sat out the next three weeks with a sprained knee. So I remember those two things for the, my first, uh, my welcome to Swift Current. Yeah, hurrying into the lineup, and then uh, yeah, you got injured. Uh, it was one of your first shifts as a Swift Current Bronco, and I know the rest of the regular season <laughs> through through injury and whatnot. At times, there were a few ups and downs there, but uh, but then the playoffs hit, and, and you just seemed to find another gear back then. Yeah, I, I really enjoy the playoffs. I, I was not a I was not a quick starter in during the regular season. Uh, it took me a little bit to get going, but by the time the playoffs rolled around, I, I really um, I think I was more mentally fit for the playoffs because it wasn't such a marathon. It was a do or die. Everything was on the line. I, I think I performed better at that. I was a little bit more focused, and we I mean we had a great team and a lot of uh, you know good memories. I think we could have uh, done a little bit better at the Memorial Cup there as well, um, but oh well, you can't you can't you can't win them all. But it would have sure have been nice. I know the game was a bit different back then, but this this team and you, I'm just going off stats here. But you had I think six guys with over 20 points in the playoffs themselves. I mean, it was just an offensive powerhouse team that you were on. Yeah, we we really did have a, a pretty smart team. Like we didn't have a a big big bashing team, big strong physical team, and myself and Tyler are not huge guys. He had Andy Schneider, who's not a big guy, but very you know fast and skilled, and Rick Gerard, not a big guy, but just really smart. And then we have Jason Krylak, had 60, hold on, 81 and 81, so he had 162 points that year. So we were loaded with, uh, you know, smart cognitive hockey players. I mean, then there's Toddy Holt, who's, you know, the Broncos all-time all-time leading goal scorer. <laughs> He's the smallest out of them all. I think the bro- smallest Bronco to ever play the game. And he leads the Broncos history in goal scoring. Yeah. Yeah, no, for sure. Uh, you know that that team itself. I mean, you talked about those skill guys as well, but you know that there's that big blue line as well that I think probably had you guys feeling pretty safe out there. I mean, it was a it was a rough and tumble game back then, and you know a, a small group of elite forwards and certainly some big bodies on the back end, eh? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Brent Bilodeau, um, we had Darren Perkins. Um, man, I got to go back through my head to <laughs> try and remember who all our D-man was. Well, yeah, Perky was there and, and Ryan Brown as well. And uh, yeah. Rob Browning was there, yeah, yeah of course. Yeah. You, you guys won the league championship that year, and I know that a huge deal is is made of it this year. Uh, you know, the Raiders winning the Edge Cup, the Broncos winning it last year, being in Swift for the celebrations for that. It was it was awesome. But, you know, talking to a lot of guys from that 93 team, they really lament, I guess, not doing better at the Memorial Cup. Like, was was winning the league championship a big deal? Like, w- when you guys talk about that 93 season, you know, what do you remember about that in the, in the positives, I guess? Well, it was, you know, I think, you know, we, we knew we had a good team, but we, like, I know Messina had had a really good team, and in Portland, when I look back at the players Portland had on our team, they had a really good team. And so, for us to, for us to beat them, I think, uh, was a was a good accomplishment and maybe better than what we actually realized at the time. Yeah. But heading into the memorial heading into the Memorial Cup, I, I think we just you know flying from out west to to do that travel and then and then play out there where we're kind of not really assimilated or not really settled. Uh, we just couldn't find couldn't get any traction. I mean, we first game we we beat the Sioux. 
who ended up winning, I believe, winning that year, uh, but just couldn't find, uh, you know, and couldn't find our stride. I, otherwise, I think we would have, uh, I think we could have won that tournament. Yeah, sure. we can't see any box scores from back then, but you can just see the final score in the tie-breaking game, 4-3 loss to Laval. So what kind of game was that? Was it a close game through and through, or did you guys kind of fight back, or did they jump out to a big lead? Uh, I don't remember if it was a, if it was a seesaw battle or not. If it was back and forth, I just I just know that we I just remember not really gaining any traction. Like we just were struggling a bit um, to just get that get that flow, get that settled feeling, uh, get guys working together. And you know, I mean, there's there's good teams there, right? These are the top teams in all all three like basically all three leagues in the CHL. So, you know, they all have different looks. And, and, you know, I think Laval was kind of a more of a fast offensive team. So we probably spent less time with the puck because they're more of a puck possession type group. And uh, it just, we just couldn't, uh, couldn't find our stride. What do you, uh, what do you remember? Not so much about what happened on the ice in Swift Current, but, but off the ice, you know, you, you weren't here for a very long time. It was certainly a good time, but uh, what do you remember about the city? I uh, just that it was it was really a a close knit community from what I could see. I mean, I was only there I think maybe six months at tops, going right through. I think well, yeah, from the deadline is deadlines in February, is it not? Uh, ja- well, January deadline and then Memorial Cup in May. So yeah, about five five six months there. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, I. I really enjoyed the people there uh, because it's a smaller community. They they really you know they love the Broncos. Um, I, I really enjoyed the guys on the team. They were and my billets. Of course, I had great billets with McBain's who who billeted some really really high end players with you know Sackick and Kennedy and um, you know Jeff Sanderson and Kimmy Daniels and then Ricky Ricky Jard and I lived together and. I think most of it was just uh, the closeness of the team because it was such a small group, and a, you know, in a, in a small community that you know the guys the guys were really close and and hung out. So I, I enjoyed that part of it. I think that's what stood out most in my mind about Swift. And... Well, speaking of Kimmy Daniels, we actually just talked to him the other day, and we were talking about his time playing for the World Juniors in '92, where they weren't able to pick up a medal. You played the very next year, and you guys went six zero and or six and one, and picked up the gold medal. And, and that was another one of those teams that was just lined with superstars. Yeah, we had a, we had a strong group there, uh, of course, led by you know, like Chris Pronger on the back end, Paul Correa up front, uh, Martin Lapointe, who's just a solid leader. Um, and then, of course, Manny Legacy was. That's when he kind of splashed onto the scene with uh, just a, he was just stellar in, in net. So that, you know, you need you need all the pieces, and, and we had it on that team. I mean, Tyler and I are on that team, but we're you know just one of uh, you know many. Rob Niedermeyer, uh, guys like that. Ralph, Ralphie Intertunbo was on that team. Lots of lots of good players that I'm in Canada's best at that time. Yeah, and then uh, not long after that, you find out that you're uh, you're traded to Swift Current, and uh, yeah, I know you touched on this earlier, but uh, you know a lot of fans today, it, it's just mind blowing to think about this that there were three NHL first rounders on the Swift Current Broncos that year, yourself and Tyler Wright and and Brent Billado. I mean, I, I guess the the question I have in that is, what was your mindset like, you know, coming here and basically, you know, being, I mean, you were the guy in PA and then you became part of a star-studded cast here in Swift. What was that transition like? 
Well, it, it was, it was, it was great to, to to be there and and to do that. I think it was a little bit of an adjustment for me because, you know, they there was there was go to guys on every kind of on every line, and of course Tyler being a, a first rounder and forward and very similar to me, where we're both about the same size. I mean, the only difference is he's he's a right-handed shot. He had a little bit more offensive, um, you know, backup early on. He he was a little bit ahead of me in the draft. So, you know, he's kind of maybe a little bit more pressure on him, being that he was a you know a, a Bronco and I was just kind of a new guy on on uh, on the scene. So it, it was uh, it was good because I didn't feel like you know here I've got to turn this team around they're already going in the right direction i just had to fit myself into the puzzle somehow and uh and then help out so i was able to do that and i played on the line with uh, ricky gerard who was also um living at mcbain's with me as well so you know we became friends and and then you know things started to things started to fall together and and it was a really great time in in my uh you know, my junior career. Now the fans obviously would have welcomed you with open arms once you got here, but what do you remember about coming to play in Swift Current when you were a member of the uh, Prince Albert Raiders? I remember actually going when we went back to Prince Albert because, you know, as a young kid, you have all these preconceived ideas of what it's going to be like when, you know, you return back to your old team. Like I was a top guy in Prince Albert and, and now we're on a, you know, a star-studded cast, like you said, in, in Swift Current. So I'm thinking, when we go back to Prince Albert, it's going to be just, we're going to just mop them up. And, and I remember, I was the worst guy on the ice. <laughs> I could not play. I was so distracted. And so, and I remember um, our coach, and he, he I remember he, he kind of took me aside, and he was like, you know, like, he's just kind of asking me, like, what the heck is going on? And I, and I remember having a conversation about it. And, um, yeah, I just... It was different. It was not the homecoming back to Prince Albert that I was expecting, because um, I, I mean, everybody's everybody's playing for different uh, reasons, and everybody has some pride. And um, they were they they had some pride, and they had some good young players on that that team. So they, I just remember they, it wasn't as it wasn't as glamorous of return to Prince Albert as I thought it was going to be. So that kind of stands out in my head. <laughs> well, you went on and you certainly made up for it the rest of the year, helping uh, Swift capture that league championship. And, uh, I, you know, after your time in Swift, you went on and played nearly a thousand games in the NHL. You know, you, you covered a lot of miles over the course of your pro career. Um, it's probably impossible to say or to ask you, you know, what your best memory of your pro career is. But, uh, you know, when you look back on it, uh, you know, what are some of the, the fond memories that come to mind? Well, I think... Uh, like early on as an 18-year-old, I mean, I, I went to the Stanley Cup Finals with, with Chicago. I didn't, you know, I didn't play in the finals, but just to be in the Stanley Cup Finals, um, I mean, that was even prior to when I came to Swift Current. I mean, I'm just 18 years old. So that's a that's a, that's a a opportunity that I didn't know if I'd ever have, let alone have it right, right off the hop, um, to be able to experience that. And then to return back there with Calgary in, in 04 uh, was was pretty exciting. Um, you know, I think, well, they say, I, I still think the goal was in. So, I mean, I should have a Stanley Cup ring, but, but uh, you know, they, they weren't able to be definitive on whether the goal, whether Marty Jelena's goal was in or not. So, um, 
so that was a little disappointing. But to get back there with Ottawa in 07, again, so that's three three trips to the Stanley Cup. And in 07, to be a part of it um, was was a great experience, especially in the in the Canadian cities because like in Calgary, it was just, it was just, the city was just right upside down. And in Ottawa, same thing where you come home off the plane in the evening and the people are lined up for, for miles along the strip, leaving the airport. And so it's pretty exciting times for, for me, especially being a Canadian boy and then, and then on those Canadian teams. And that was, that was probably the best memories. Um, you know, I enjoyed my, I enjoyed my time in different places. I mean, the experience Chicago, was really cool and, and different cities. St. Louis was a wonderful city, um, and then you know all over. But um, making those trips to the Stanley Cup in the Canadian cities was pretty exciting. It was it was it captivated the whole, you know, not just yeah, it captivated the whole city, and everybody was uh, pretty pumped up about it. Kind of wanted to touch on the o four o five year. That's when I started really trying to get into hockey, and then of course there was the lockout. So for a guy like you, you had just played nine straight years in the NHL. And then there's a lockout, so you end up going to the Albany River Rats for that American League season. But for a guy who is such a you know an NHL regular, it must have been kind of weird to say that hey, I can't really go to work right now. I got to find somewhere else to play for this season. Yeah, it was, and and because that was right after the O four, like I had I had my second back surgery that year in Calgary, so I actually missed missed the playoff run in Calgary, and then the lockout hit. So what I was concerned with for myself was. You know, I'm getting older now. I've, this would be going on 10 years in the league, and I've had two back surgeries, and and I can't sit out a year because I think that would that would basically make it look like maybe I can't come back, or maybe a question mark for teams to take a risk on me. So I really felt like I needed to um, get back in the game and play that year. So that's why I was uh, wanting to get to somewhere, and, and Albany was the place. And, you know, I had a decent year. I was able to play with uh, Travis Zajac and Zach Prize down there. So, it, you know, yeah, it was pretty – actually, no, I don't think Travis was there. That was the second time in, in with Jersey. But Zach Prize was down there, just a up-and-coming player. And we all know Zach now is a you know, star in the league. And, um, yeah, I had a good year, and I was able to showcase myself. And that's when St. Louis took a risk um, – risk on me next year to sign me well you say you're coming off surgery following that 04 season but with the lockout I mean are there teams lining up to sign a guy who'd been in the NHL for 10 straight years despite the fact they're coming off surgery or was Albany kind of the one that really approached you um Albert well yeah my agent had a pretty good relationship with Lou Amarillo so that's how I ended up in Albany um because Albany's so affiliated with uh New Jersey at the time, but there was not because of the way the game was actually heading at that point after that lockout, the the league became a young man's league. And, you know, me being just in my thirties and having two back surgeries, I, I don't think that uh, it worked out and I didn't sit around too long, but I, I think I had three teams uh, in negotiations. One was Calgary, my old team, uh, then St. Louis. And then there's also Toronto involved in, in it. And, so there were a few teams interested, but again, not uh, not not really um, coming after me very hard. It was more of us thinking out them. So yeah, I didn't have a whole lot going on. So to land a to land a decent deal in St. Louis was I was happy with that. 
Well, of course, the game changed following that lockout with all the rule changes and things like that. So those first few games of that 05-06 season for a guy who had been already been playing for 10 or 12 years in the NHL to have to suddenly adjust to all these rule changes. I mean, those first few games, are those quite tough for pretty much everyone in the league? They were. I remember being in practice in St. Louis. I mean, that was when they got rid of the red line. So I remember Mike Kitchen was our coach. And uh, Mike had just taken over from... Uh, actually, I'm not sure who was there, but anyway, Mike Kitchen is our coach, and I just remember we were struggling getting out of our end, and and he was he was telling us, okay, like forwards, we got to stretch the zone, and I'm thinking, Mike, we can't make a 10 foot pass, let alone a 60 foot pass. So I don't know how this is going to work out. You know, when those rule changes happened, Dean, did uh, I mean a guy like you? I mean, speed was your game. Was were you thinking like, you know, why why didn't these changes take effect 10 years earlier? Uh, yeah, after the, you know, the game today, uh, it's so much, I think is, is so, so much more skilled and so much more puck possession. And those rules were, you know, the catalyst to do that. Uh, at the time we didn't know what, how, what they're going to have for effect on it. But now looking back, yeah, if I was more in my prime in this game, I think it would, I think it would have benefited me a lot better because of my ability to to skate and because it would open up the ice and I just remember when I played it was it was more difficult for me and us smaller players to you know to play because you know a big guy gets a hold of you like it was it was a lot more clutch and grab and and hook and hold so it was hard for us to get moving but now it's it's so wide open so I, I really enjoy the skill level of the players now and, and the plays and the puck possession and just the different thing they're doing. So I, I think I would have really enjoyed it. You played on a it was more like that. You played on a lot of uh, different teams, a lot of high-end superstar-type players, and I'm kind of putting you on the spot here a bit, but there, are there some guys that you played with for a couple of years who kind of stood out to you as the guys that you really, really enjoyed being around, whether you know with they're being superstar players or just like guys you loved hanging around with? Yeah, I, I, I think my two top lines, probably my favorite lines, uh, would be one. One was in Chicago. I played with um, Michael Nylander and Steve Sullivan, and we were kind of a we were kind of a dark horse line. We weren't really superstars, but we worked really worked well together. And we had a, a you know a high ranked line on a, on an unperforming you know a low performing team. But we I know that that year Michael Nylander and Steve Sullivan both had career years, and they just kind of. You know, it transformed them as players. They just became, you know, top players in the league. And I actually got traded again. So I, it seemed to be a theme where I was the disposable player on the wing. But I ended up going from there to, to Calgary and ended up finding a spot on the uh, left wing with Craig Conroy and Jerome McGinley. And those two guys were probably... Uh, basically a transformation and a rejuvenation of my career at that point. And uh, that was probably one of my favorite lines because we were, you know, super high output and, again, just salt-of-the-earth people. Um, I still, you know, when I go back to Calgary, get in touch with Craig. And, I mean, Iggy is, Iggy is uh, a, you know, just a great, great guy um, and, a, and a superstar. So to be able to, you know, spend time on a line with him at, in those years was, was really a privilege. And, and those are kind of the two lines that I think uh, would probably stand out in my mind most often. 
I think when a lot of people hear the name Steve Sullivan, the one thing that comes to mind is that incident with the fan where Sullivan got the puck in the face and the fan was giving it to him, and then that fan got hit in the face. <laughs> Were you on the team when that happened? I was on, I was on the ice, yes. I was, <laughs> I was on the team when that happened. That is, the, that is probably the, the best story, of, well, one of the best stories that I have in the NHL. It's just, uh, it's so, it's so, it was so fitting and just, it was, it was, it was perfect. Like, was it? Yeah, yeah. It's speechless. It was awesome. What was uh, what was it like after that in the room? Like, did a lot of guys on the team see what happened? Like, did, did you know what was happening as it was happening, or was it something that you caught on the highlights after the game? Well, no, we were pretty we were pretty up to speed. I mean, at least I was because I played on the line with Sully. Um, so I was aware of it, and of course, Sully, if you, if you know, it, well, Steve is very very talkative a very you know he's a personality and he's always so he would be like he would have been all over it and the guys in the room would have been he would have been sharing it with everybody immediately so there was there was no delay as far as uh, figuring out what happened it was pretty clear what was going on and the guys were aware of it right away of course we well, wound up playing 996 career NHL games. Are there times you look back on it and think, oh, man, I wish I could have played four more games, spread out over 15 more seasons just to hit that 1,000 milestone? <laughs> yeah, there are times, actually. You know, I don't, I don't think about it much, but it's, it's interesting. If, uh, if I went on the road right now at, at any point or in the, since I retired, it's odd. I don't, I don't think about hockey too much. I don't dream about hockey too much. <laughs> but as soon as I travel um, – since I retired, as soon as I travel, if I'm in a hotel or whatever it is, it is the strangest thing. I'll have dreams and I'll be in a hotel and I'll be thinking about I got a game the next day or I'm in the lineup and I'm playing and I'm thinking, oh, it's about three weeks have gone by and, and this is all a dream. And I'm thinking, well, I've got to re- I've, ha- I've had to reach my thousandth game by now. <laughs> and it happens time and time again, but only when I'm on the road. So it's really kind of, it's weird, but that's, what how it happened so i think there's something in me that wants to make that thousand game of course but um looking back i think i i could have i went to the islanders training camp after a back and forth about a contract and they they still asked me to come to their their training camp my my last year so i eventually went without a contract and they had they had called five players in just on the spur of the moment um, to try and fill the rosters for exhibition games because they had too many injuries and they had uh, games in two different venues on the same night, so they had to fill the veteran rule. And they just basically borrowed us for five days. Um, and I played back-to-back-to-back in, in three different games and three different nights like consecutively. I'd, I'd slashed my arm wide open, and then, like, on day five, they're, they're sending me home. And so I had a meeting with Gar Snow and, and uh, Scott Gordon the next morning, and I just kind of was like, what, what are you guys doing seriously? Like, I, I just hear I'm, four, I'm, you know, four games short of a 1,000. Just, just sign me. If it doesn't work out, you can send me home. I won't hold you to anything. And they said they would talk to my agent, and they never did. So I flew home, and I was a little bit bitter about it. And about a month and a half later, they called and, and said, well, would I come back or am I skating or anything? And at that point, because I've been traded 12 times and played on 12 <laughs> different teams, and I just was fed up in my family. I, I just settled in. I just I just said, forget it. And I wish I wouldn't have. I wish I would have went back 
out of shape. And <laughs> I said, here I am, play me for four games. And then I think I would have left. <laughs> Park yourself in front of the net. Well, you've uh, you've settled in now. You're you're living in the Okanagan, as you said, and you're also into coaching now. You touched on earlier how you coached Ben King uh, through minor hockey. So, uh, what do you what do you know about Ben and coaching him up to uh, getting him to the Western Hockey League here? Well, I know that Ben Ben was uh, a little bit of a frustrated young player um, in Vernon. We have a, a tier two association. So we're not quite, you know, the the biggest association. Kelowna is is right next to us, so they're usually the, you know, stronger teams, stronger players. So we struggled to beat them, but Ben is a top top player, you know, within both associations. So what was hard for me as a as a coach coaching Ben was he's such a smart player and he's he's, he's super skilled. So at that time. Uh, it was hard for me to get him to try and buy into passing the kids that couldn't take passes and, and work with players that were not as cognitive as him. So it was, you know, a little bit challenging for him, but just, I just remember that he would see, see things and make plays that were ahead of his time as a, as a, you know, a peewee and bantam player. He, he just played the game more mature and he could just see plays developing and and kids weren't really ready for it, so that's what stands out for me with Ben. Just uh, and you know, a great great family, good guy. Now you've kind of you kind of worked your way through minor hockey there in the Okanagan, and now you're part of the you're the head coach of the North Okanagan Knights of the Kootenai International Junior Hockey League. So being back in a hockey full time with a, a junior B team, uh, is it you know, it's just work again for you? Are you, are you how much are you enjoying uh, being a, a head coach here for for your team? Well, it's been a little bit of a an adjustment because I've been, you know, retired for nine years and not having to really go on the road. But, you know, I've enjoyed getting back in the game and being around the game and being around, you know, the people and other coaches and players and and being part of a part of a group. The team is, uh, I really enjoy that part of it. Um, learning the game again. Uh, I mean, I know the game uh, as to play it, but to put to to package it and and you know have you know smart practices and and learn how to get these guys up to speed and and really be a good coach is a difficult thing and it takes a lot more takes a lot more thought and a lot more investment so that's been a bit of a challenge um but it's been it's been pretty enjoyable we've got off to a decent start and it's nice to see that i've had some impact on helping turn this team around so so that part's that part's good but um yeah i don't know we'll see how it goes along i've i've kind of sign on for two years to see if that's kind of, um, you know, the direction I should be going. I mean, I've been sitting around for a little bit and my wife would always say, well, why don't you get into coaching? And uh, I said, I don't want to go live in Nippon, Saskatchewan to start my coaching career. (laughs) (laughs) And I said, they're not, they're just not handing out coaching jobs around here. So Armstrong is only 20 minutes up the road. So when they handed out a coaching job, I figured, well, I better take it or else, you know, I'd be in trouble. So, you know, Dean, having said that, uh, you know, if you do have some success in Junior B and, you know, the Junior A and then the major junior opportunities maybe start to present themselves, is that something that you're looking at? Like you're maybe thinking down the road, you know, potentially moving up in the coaching ranks? Uh, some, sometimes I do think about that. Um, I, I, I think I would enjoy that. I don't know if uh, I don't know if I see myself as a head coach. Um, I do at the junior B level. I think I have a pretty good handle of the game in my head, 
but it's different knowing it as a player and then being confident to get it across as a coach and as a coach you have to you have to be a bit of a manager as well like managing people and and making decisions and you know you're you're responsible for a group so i'll have to see how that develops and in, in for me and and just kind of see if i feel like i'm i'm cut out to be a coach and you know, I could see myself maybe moving up and being assistant coach and then possibly making a jump to a head coach. And uh, My kids are starting to get older now, so I can see myself having a little bit more time. Uh, I've got two now that are done high school, two more that are still in high school. So once the following two are done their high school, they all might free me up to, uh, you know, be a little bit more, have a little bit more time and, and travel so it might be something i'd look into here yeah. now we might get a better answer to this question if we asked your players but what kind of coach is dean mccammon uh i a pretty simple coach um i don't really have a lot of of fluff to my to my approach to the game uh i really try and teach the guys a, a hockey sense and i know they can't they say you can't teach hockey sense but uh, I find myself trying to trying to teach these guys how to think the game and 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 learn the game as far as like different options and whatnot. I, it really frustrates me when when I see a kid come up through their through development in hockey, especially in Canada, where it's been so much just you know chip the puck and get it out and dump it in, and it's you know that's it, a winning strategy just to. You know, just to win hockey games, but man, it's so uh, handicaps the players at, at their development. And the game is about puck possession. And so I've really tried to approach my team this year as don't, you know, don't give the puck away. We work too hard to get it. Don't ever give it away. And don't just don't just resort to just the the, the lowest level of you know skill where you just dump it out and dump it in. Uh, yeah, it wins hockey games because you're not spending any time in your end, but it doesn't develop, you know, smart, you know, skilled hockey players. You played under a lot of coaches uh, through your ranks in the the junior leagues and also through the NHL. Do you think there's things that you picked up from some of those coaches you played for over the years that you've kind of taken into your coaching strategy? Yeah, and I think it's more of an attitude and a, and a position of how you win hockey games. And I I would say that coach would be Daryl Sutter from Calgary. Daryl was Daryl was a I wouldn't say militant, but he knew exactly what how he wanted to run his team, how to how this is work, how we're going to play. Like I mean, in Edmonton, six years was you know we went through a, a couple different coaches and ended up with Ronnie Lowe for a number of years. But when I look back, I don't remember exactly what it was you know that we were doing as a team to play i think we were more reactive than proactive in that group at the time and we were young so we were learning uh chicago we had a, a few different coaches in the two years i was there um the second time but when i got to calgary i just remember uh, of course having some success there with us going to the finals but daryl had an approach where he knew exactly how he wanted the team to play and he pushed for us to play this certain way all the time and that uh, there was just a number of things that i picked up from from him as to you know the approach to the game how how to play but it was very simple it was very you know more of a preparation thing and and i know that i i started talking to my group and i sound i well, i don't sound like daryl but i sound like the things that he used to say so um fairly simple coach 
not really uh, too technical, but knew how to win hockey games, knew what it took, and so that's that's kind of I would say my approach would be more like his. This is the Broncos This Week podcast. We've been chatting with alum Dean McCammon, the man who had 16 goals and 35 points in 17 playoff games to help the 1993 Swift Current Broncos win the Western Hockey League title. Dean, we greatly appreciate you taking the time out of your uh, your busy life with four kids and a hockey team to coach to uh, to chat with us today. Uh, thank you so much for having me on, Craig and Ryan. Thank you for, uh, yeah, and hello to all the people in Swift Current. Um, yeah, all the best to the Broncos this year. You're listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16, the official beer of the Swift Current Broncos. Original 16, the sponsor of the Broncos This Week podcast. A huge thanks to Dean McCammon for taking some time out to chat with us today. Great chat with Dean, and uh, as expected, some, some great stories from a guy who played 996 NHL games. Yeah, no, it was really great to get him on. I was uh, very appreciative of how open he was to to being on the podcast didn't take long for him to to respond to the email I sent him, uh, you know, a couple weeks ago. So really, thanks, uh, thankful for him for jumping on. And like you said, some great stories he had to share, and I'm sure he has a has a ton more he'd want to share too if we could uh, ever get him back on as a reoccurring guest. The the number 19 for the Swift Current Broncos has some special significance. If you go all the way back to the late 60s, early 70s, there was Brian Trache, then there was Joe Sackick. Uh, Dean McCammond also wore that number in his limited time in Swift Current, and very excited to have another former number 19 on the Broncos This Week podcast. Next week, our feature guest will be Kimby Daniels. Yeah, no, again, one of those guys who was very open to jumping on, and uh, obviously he was part of that 89 uh, Memorial Cup team, so was able to share some stories about what it was like, you know, following the moments after winning and, and getting back here or getting back to Swift Current and kind of enjoying that moment with the fans. And, uh, you know, he had a phenomenal Western Hockey League career uh, with a couple of the teams as well after after moving on from the Broncos and a long pro career as well. And, and now makes his home up in Alaska, which is not too far from where I grew up. So uh, nice to get a chance to chat with him and see what he's been up to since uh, he stopped playing a couple of years ago. Yeah, Kimby Daniels joins us next week on the Broncos This Week podcast as our feature guest. Bosch, you have the call tomorrow night from Victoria. We very much look forward to catching up with you there. Craig Boschman from the road with the Swift Current Broncos on their BC swing. Ryan Schweitzer back home in sense-making Swifty. Thank you very much for listening to the Broncos This Week podcast. You've been listening to Broncos This Week, presented by Original 16.